0: inspiring you to reach your goals and live your
1: dream and live your dream. This is the Keaton Nelson show. Alrighty guys. Um, today I have an awesome guest for you. Um, great treat. Um, Brad blazer. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today, man.
0: You're very welcome. It's great to be here with you.
1: Yeah, I bet. Man, Brad, just before we hopped on here, just told me he he's getting flown out to Dubai, which is freaking awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I was like we got to get that right in here really quick. That's 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 great. Um so I'd love to you know get to know you a little bit better. Um and that same thing for with our, with our listeners. Um like where are you from and like what do you do?
0: Yeah. Well, um I happen to be in Texas right now, but uh moved around a lot, I guess as a kid. My dad was an executive working primarily in real estate, so kind of following his career took me from Ohio, Michigan, Indiana, Florida, and a couple of other states, but I ended up here in Texas back in the 80s, basically uh, as a college student and then eventually as the founder and CEO of a small oil company that I started, but today we primarily do two things. Um, I run... Essentially, two different companies. The One is a real estate uh, investment slash private equity firm where we raise capital from high net worth individuals and investors. We aggregate that money into a fund, and then we go out and we uh, invest that in real estate that generates both passive income, you know, tax benefits, capital appreciation, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And then the other side is, I think today we probably run what's the best known and probably the largest platform of its kind, coaching and mentoring other people on how to attract and how to raise capital from high net worth individuals and investors, so that entrepreneurs or business owners can basically uh, build by or scale their business or, uh, as I like to say, do something bigger in life, invest in something like real estate. And uh, it's really my belief, Keaton, that you know everybody it doesn't matter where you live, has this inner desire to do something bigger. Uh, It could be start a business, could be invest in real estate, but we all kind of want more abundance in our lives. And as a business coach, when I ask people in a little bit more detail to go deeper with that, what I find is that most people are not doing that something big out of the lack of fear or of self-doubt, they're simply doing it because they don't have the money to even get started. (laughs) Yeah. so, you know, with the uh, ability to teach people how to raise capital and um, the background I have, we kind of become that catalyst, if you will, once people understand that all the money they need to do everything in life they ever could dream of is around them every day, they're just called investors. And so once we teach people how to attract them and what to say to them, uh, we're basically able to help a lot of those people make their dreams become a reality. And uh, that's really, for me, the the pleasure that I seek today is getting all the emails, the videos uh, telling me that, you know, hey, what you taught me worked and I was able to start that company or I was able to launch that business or do whatever. And so that's largely what we do. We basically coach and mentor people all around the world on the uh, philosophy of raising capital, how to go out and actually do
1: it. Cool. Um, before I would definitely want to dig more into the, into that. Uh, but before we do, um, what was life like growing up? Just out of curiosity, were your parents rich or like you know? Far <laughs> from it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, no. Um, you know, here's the funny thing. Uh, and I tell this story a lot when I'm speaking on stage. Um, you know, I grew up, I guess, in what you call a you know upper middle class family. I mean, you know, we did well, but certainly. By any stretch of the imagination, Keaton, we were not rich. Um, You know, my dad was an executive. You know, we were able to live in a nice community, you know, went to summer camps, had vacations, yadda, but I certainly knew that we weren't rich. But with that being said, much like Robert Kiyosaki, I did have a rich uncle. And so I quickly learned from my rich uncle, uh, a lot of the things that I talk about today in life but I knew immediately that I wanted to be more like my rich uncle Henry than I did like my dad because I saw the benefits, of course, of having abundance. But um, it was really my uncle that was kind of my rich dad. If you've ever read basically, uh, you know, Robert Kiyosaki's book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Mm -hmm. that instilled in me some of the things that I do today. uh, Because I remember when I was maybe seven, maybe eight, Uh, We were at the Palm Beach Country Club and we were there after dinner and we were kind of walking around and um, he put his hand on my shoulder and he said, you see that guy over there? That guy makes all the hangers that are in your closet. And this guy over here, he makes all the little erasers that are at the end of the pencils that you use in school. Mm -hmm. And then he basically looked at me and he said, Brad, you know, if you can find out some point in your life, like what you're really great and gifted at and package it up and deliver it to the world, it's magical. And I define that as a revelation. Uh, A revelation is kind of one of those aha moments that you have in life, but that revelation may not present itself until many years later. And I was actually watching a TV show a few years ago where Steve Harvey was on stage and he was talking to his entire audience and he basically said to this entire audience of people, you know, on TV, hey, it's my belief that everybody here in my audience has a special gift. I call it your, your, your special gift or your something special. But the problem is most of you will never figure out what that is. You'll go through life and you'll never know what that unique talent or that hard skill is. And literally, it was about two weeks after hearing that, that that revelation kind of popped into my mind. And I realized, like, oh, my God. My something special is I know how to raise money better than anybody I've ever met. I've raised literally hundreds of millions of dollars. And I said, that's the one thing that I believe entrepreneurs and business owners really need to master because, you know, you get to a certain point in any business where you kind of plateau and, you know, you're kind of going along there and you're like, man, if I just had more money for marketing or if I just had more money to hire more people or if I just had more money to do this... And usually what they do is they go to a bank and they borrow and they become indebted. And that's one of the worst things because now you're obligated to a stream of payments. Obviously, the bank now, of course, can come and, you know, foreclose on the business's assets if you don't pay them back in a timely basis. And, you know, you get all those nasty, threatening letters where investors don't have those same rights. Investors, Mm -hmm. if they're credited, understand the risks. Of investing in businesses. And as an entrepreneur, you know, if you've got to temporarily suspend the payments or lower the amount you're paying or whatever, it's totally fine. There's really nothing that they can do. And so I've always built my businesses along the premise, if I need money, I'm going to investors. And so, um, you know, that's kind of how I grew up is, uh, you know, having, I guess, what you would really call two mentors in my life. Of course, my father, who I dearly, of course, loved uh, but also, kind of my rich uncle that was kind of that rich dad, as it relates to you know the rich dad poor dad that Robert Kiyosaki writes about um his in his best selling book mm,
1: cool so um you're talking you, you make points about you know taking on these investors and things like that. Um, how do you find these high net worth individuals to be able to come and invest for you? great question,
0: yeah. The thing that I'll share with you is they're around you all that time. And yeah, most people are just not cognizant because they're not in that mode of seeking investors or having conversations with investors. But they're around us on a daily basis. You know, your doctor. He's an accredited investor. He's certainly somebody that makes a lot of money. Uh, depending on where you live, you know, maybe your neighbors, just based on your socio, you know, demographic status. But, you know, one thing that you can do today is go to Google or go to meetup and just Google local investment clubs. Hmm. And by definition, if you start showing up in your community at some of these investment clubs, whether they're a crypto club or whether they're a stock club or whether they're a real estate club, by definition, everybody there is an investor. And then you just start networking. Hey, you know, here's what I'm doing. Hey, I've got this deal. I'm looking for some investors. Might you be interested? Or today you can also use the internet. You can reach out to people on LinkedIn. You can post ads because under the jobs act that loosened the restrictions and made it easier for entrepreneurs and business owners. We can do that nowadays as long as the investors we're talking to are accredited. Um, And then of course you can host networking events. So there's always a way to create what I call that forward inertia, getting in front of people, having conversations, having Zooms, having face-to-face meetings. And then as you're having conversations with people, you use a lot of the things that we teach in our program, like the four-step blueprint, the trust sequence, the validation phrase to kind of pre-qualify people and then move them Pre-qualify
1: investors? I'm so sorry to interrupt you, but I'm... Yep, yep, okay.
0: Exactly. Pre-qualify, make sure that they're suitable, make sure that they have the funds, Uh, you know, make sure as a fiduciary that this particular investment you're wanting to discuss with them uh, is something, of course, that would benefit them. And then you just kind of move them forward through this process and ultimately, you get to a point where they're like, well, what are the next steps? Or how do we move forward and actually invest with you? And then from there, it's just the formality of, you know, filling out the paperwork or kind of taking the next steps in that journey. Mm-hmm. And then once you get one, you just rinse and repeat the process to three. And then before you know it, you got five and then, you you know, you get 10. And, uh, you know, nine to 12 months later, you look back and you're like, wow, I have raised three million or five million dollars or whatever that number happens to be. And now when it comes time to raise money, you've got the network, you've got the investors, and it just becomes easier the
1: longer you do it. Mm. So let's say I have a business. How do I know when it's the right time to pull on investors and when it's the wrong time?
0: Well, you know, I don't say that there's really, quote, a right or wrong time. Let's face it. There are so many investors out there that do invest in startups, that Mm. do invest with entrepreneurs that have a great idea, or have a product not yet proven. Those are called angel investors or startup investors or, you know, venture Mm -hmm. capitalists. Then you have investors that invest in what we call early stage businesses. These are businesses that have been out there for a while. Uh, They're, they're doing okay. They're generating revenue. You know, maybe they're not profitable yet, but they got a customer base, you know, they're going and they need that second round of capital, or maybe they need some expansion capital. Mm -hmm. There's a whole group of investors that like stuff like that. And then of course, there's also investors out there that like to invest in more established businesses. So there's always going to be investors out there. And I won't say that it's quote, a right way or right time or right place. I mean, when I started my oil company at the age of 23, I had never drilled an oil well. I knew nothing about it. I -hmm. never built or managed a company. All I knew how to do was raise money. And so I got on the phone. I started talking to people, but I knew that I could find an attorney and a CPA and get some advisors and get a geologist and around me build a team. And that's really the most important thing to basically be able to do is most investors that look at somebody say, Keaton, you've convinced me that you and your team can execute on this strategy. It's all about the execution. Mm-hmm. And if you show somebody that you can execute on an idea or delivering a product or doing something like that, you can be wildly successful at going out and attracting and raising capital.
1: Interesting. So um, this probably will be interesting for the viewers in, in general anyway. I talked a little bit about this on my last uh, podcast with um, Sean Castrino, which is he's fantastic. I don't know if you know him or not. Um, but I, uh, I've got multiple people coming to me offering to invest in my company, basically, and, and take – a big chunk. They all want like 40, 50 percent of the company, 40 to 49. I won't give up 50. Yeah. Um, and I um, I don't know if it's a good deal or a bad deal. But I'm not sure how to tell. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'd be interested to get your opinion on this, uh, if that's OK.
0: No, absolutely. I mean, you know, you have to look at the business and kind of assess where it is. Mm-hmm. And basically determine what the use of the proceeds would be for. Would it be for marketing? Would it be for hiring staff? What would that additional money really be used for? And how would it benefit the business? And if you were able to bring that money in, what type of a return would you see? Would it be a 2X? Would it be a 5X? You know, where could the business potentially be in the next three to five years with that infusion of capital? Uh personally, I think that for someone to come in and ask for 40, 45, 49% uh, is a little bit egregious. But again, it just depends what they can bring to the table. If they're bringing money. And they're also bringing intellectual capital where they can be a good strategic advisor. Maybe they've done something before that's going to complement the business or just help you grow, or maybe mm-hmm. there's some relationship capital where they can introduce you to other people in their network, because I also believe that sometimes you're just one connection away from dramatically changing your life, then you know it might be worth a discussion. Uh, I would start maybe at you know, a much lesser amount and try to negotiate maybe somewhere in between and say, well, you know, (laughs) I was thinking somewhere more along the lines of 15 to 20%, you know, you're up here at
1: 40%.
0: But the other thing too, you have to realize Keaton and for your listeners is that when you're working with investors, you don't have to give up any equity. A lot of investors out there are willing to give you their money and structure it around something like a debt offering. You structure a note and just say, look, I'll pay you interest over the next you know, two, three years, whatever that time horizon is, we'll pay you on a quarterly basis. Yeah. Uh, and at the end, we'll just give you your principal back. And a lot of retirees and a lot of people that are a little bit later in life, they love that. Why? Because they're looking for income. They're no longer working or they're at a point where they're transitioning from a job to over to retirement. And so, you know, what do they have? They got savings, they got social security, maybe. And then of course they have any other source of income. So if you come in and say, hey, I can afford to pay a pretty nice rate of return, maybe 7 8% on a quarterly basis. They're like, yeah, well, that sounds real attractive to me now. And you haven't given up, quote, any equity. The other, uh, which we do a lot of, this is used more in Silicon Valley, uh, is something that we call a safe agreement. A safe agreement was used a lot in the tech space out in the Silicon Valley. And basically, it's an IOU, And basically, you don't have to give up any equity up front. It's more like a structured relationship that says, hey, we have an agreement for future equity, but that future equity is based on the business reaching certain benchmarks. It could be revenue, could be profitability, could be valuation. And so in the early stages, there are no payments. The business isn't straddled. And, you know, whenever it hits that benchmark,
1: might be three years. Yeah, I want to ask some follow up questions if that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um So let's say it's almost like um they have to perform, like the investor has to perform, right? So, um, so yeah, you can get 50% of my business once we're at x amount of revenue per year or whatever. With this percentage of prof- profitability and and so on and so forth. But they don't get anything until then. Correct cool. I like that one.
0: Yep. <laughs> Most people do. Yeah, yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this one, the people that are coming to me particularly, it's all relationship. Yeah. I mean, they don't really have much, um, experience in, in my industry or anything. I do, I do marketing. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. And, uh, I think they're just excited about the trajectory of the company and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they want to take a big bite out of it, obviously. Um, exactly. and, Yeah. As of right now, I'm not too crazy about it. What numbers uh, are important to investors that uh, business owners should be, um, you know, cognizant of?
0: Well, you know, investors are always going to want to see something like, you know, sales, revenue, number of customers. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, if you're in real estate, you know, how many deals you've done or you Know how many units or doors you own if you're doing multifamily or something like that. Yeah, they don't necessarily have to see that. Um, you know, if you're an early stage company or you're just getting started, really for them, they just want to see that you've got a team of people. You know, mm. you're not just a solopreneur, or as Mark right. would say, you're not a wantrepreneur. You know, you've actually got a network, you're out there every day, you're showing up, you're creating that forward inertia, that forward momentum. And so that's really the most important thing, I think, when you're an entrepreneur is to realize that if you're out there trying to convince an investor to give you money and you're just a solopreneur and you're doing it all by yourself, you know, you might get lucky with friends and family, but, you know, fat chance in hell because it's, again, the trust issue. Mm -hmm. We unfortunately, we live in a very uh, distrustful world today, but you have to spend time on the front end building that relationship creating the value so that that person that you're talking to gets to a point where there's enough trust to move forward in the relationship and to present the opportunity. Otherwise, you're just largely wasting your time. You know, if you're pitching or you're having conversations with people and there is not a foundational layer of trust, more than likely, you're just not going to get the investment. You might get them to say, yeah, you know, send me the information. Uh, We'll take a look at it. But they're doing that more out of politeness,
1: oh, and, yeah.
0: and you get to a point where it's physically time to close. You know, basically, what's going to happen um, is that they're just going to give you every excuse you've ever heard of before. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah.
1: So, um, my business right now has got—I mean, after paying myself, it's got about like sixty grand a year in profit. Mm-hmm. I started about two and a half years ago. Yeah, um, and. We've got a team of, we have, including myself, three full time W 2s and 17 contractors we work with Mm -hmm. on a regular basis. So, quite a few people, right? Um, And um, we're on the, you know, we'll probably do like 600K this year. And then we're hoping to double that next year. But last year we did two. 220. In our first year, we only did 36. Yeah. You know, so um, I'm just like, and what they want to give me, if I'm just being very blatantly honest, is uh, not very much. You know what I mean? It's like 100K for like 40% of the business um, in some relationships, basically. Um, And the the infusion of cash is not going to help me too much. It's almost like, to, to be honest, the conversations that I've had with them, which could be stupid on my part, but um, is you know they're paying me personally for a piece of my asset. Mm-hmm. So it's like 100k into my personal bank account. and, yep. then, and then because as far as the, the company is already profitable, we're yep. we're growing every month over month over month. Yep. and it, we get paid upfront so the cost of our services like it's not like we need the cash flow to expand. I right. need more and more connections and relationships. Yep. What's, your, what's your thoughts on that?
0: Well, I mean, you know, here's the funny thing is if you're building your business and you're scaling it and you're seeing year over year uh, increase in revenues, just keep doing what you're doing, but do it with a little bit more intensity or, you know, hire some virtual assistants around you so that you can delegate or so that you can have some virtual assistants, which are you know, very inexpensive. to hire start making mm-hmm. some outreach to some of the leads because you were you only have so many hours in a day. You can't physically speak to everybody that expresses interest in what you're doing. Right. If you can hire some VAs, that's great. Uh, you know, the best thing that I ever did was basically hire a sales team and move my business out of my house and physically get an office space uh, because I tried outsourcing sales. I basically tried, you know, bringing people that were working for me, but were working from home and COVID. And each one of those just didn't work. Interesting. I finally just said to my wife, you know, hey, you got to create an environment where there's success. There's people that are there in an office. You can have that competitive spirit, et cetera. And so, uh, you know, I looked around for a long time, but I found a local uh, developer that had an office building. And I said, look, you know, why don't you make me a deal that I just can't say no to? And he said, all right, you know, I've got this office here. He showed it to me. It was built out real nice. Each person would have its own separate office. And, oh, nice. there's the And uh, you know, for a thousand bucks a month, I'm like, this is a no brainer. And right. um, <laughs> that's I, awesome. You know, I think that for any entrepreneur, once you realize you give up part of your business or you give up some of the equity, you don't lose control but is it really worth it? Um, you know, I remember being in a meeting about a year and a half ago in Dallas where I met Brandon Dawson. Uh, you know, and this, of course, is Grant Cardone's partner at 10X and Cardone Ventures. And I told him what I do. And he's like, oh, man, I love it. Like, how's it going? And I'm like, you know, shit, it's going great, man. We'll probably do about 450,000, 500,000 in sales this year. And he's like, how'd you like us to make you a multimillionaire overnight? We'll brand it to Cardone Ventures. We'll buy your brand. We'll redo everything, and I kind of, you know, just kind of looked at him and said, "Well, you know, let me sleep on it." I mean, it's an intriguing idea, but what that did for me is it confirmed that they saw more value in what I had than perhaps I did in my own product. I'm like, "Well, shit, you know, these guys want to do that," and so I just kept hustling and kept grinding. And you know, this year we'll do well over seven figures in revenue, and uh, you know, we'll continue to grow the business. So. Awesome. You know, would would I have grown faster? Maybe, but I would have given up control. And then it's like, well, what would I be doing now? You know, like I said earlier in the podcast, I mean, I just got a call last week and here I am flying to Dubai and this is the same company that brought Tony Robbins to the Middle East. So what I find is that by showing up every day and moving forward as an entrepreneur, positive things happen in your life. It's the person that just kind of accepts what life throws at them and just says, well, you know, I'm just going to show up every day, but I'm not going to be intentional in my actions. You tend to live life on a defensive side rather than being offensive and intentional in your actions and really going after what it is you really want and what your dreams are and what you really want to pursue. But if you look at yourself and say, here's my goal, here's where I want to be and then you're intentional every week in what you're doing to move forward, you will ultimately become successful. It's the same thing in raising capital from investors. If you've got a target in the amount of money that you need to raise or that you want to raise and you're intentional and you're showing up every week and you're having calls with investors or you're having meetings, you know, invariably you will raise money. I've never met anybody that quote has not even a small amount by just simply not showing up every day. The only reason people are not successful doing it is because they just never take action on it.
1: Sure, true. Yep. A hundred percent true. Yeah. True. yeah. Um, so it's a little selfish, selfish of me, but I'm interested in, how did you build out the sales team? Cause it's something that I don't quite understand. Um, and how does marketing play into it? Yeah.
0: So, you know, there's a lot of ways, um, Keaton, that you can, you know, hire people, you can go to platforms like Indeed, sure. and use the job description, uh, same thing, of course, with LinkedIn. And so you kind of create in your mind the, the type of the person that you're looking for, you know, the skills, and you throw out their a job description. Yeah. And, you know, you sit back, you're obviously going to get a bunch of resumes. And so usually it starts with a phone interview or a Zoom, where you get to know that person you kind of take that larger audience from the resumes you're gathering, or at least those people that look like they're qualified and you try to narrow it down maybe to five to seven, and then you have a follow-up session. And then of course you ultimately make your first hire. And um, you know when you're hiring people, you really have to give some thought to what does that compensation look That's like?
1: That's what I was going to ask, Lee. Like, what, what, what is that? Um, I mean, yeah, I totally get how to like you know, run a job ad and interview yeah. people but and I mean, but I mean, like, if
0: you're, if, you're, if you're running a business, perhaps maybe like yours or like mine, where there's a sales component and you're selling a product or you're selling a marketing service or you're selling a course where you can pay people on a commission, you say, look, you know, there's no limit to the upside. Uh, you know, totally. to Lord, you can make 40, 60, 80, $100,000 based on your skills and how hard you work. I mean, we got the products, we got the tools, we got the clients, mm-hmm. all the leads. And then you say, look, you know, here's the commission rate. But the way that we structured it for the people here is I said, look, I'm going to give you every month a forgivable draw, which means you never have to pay it back, but you're always going to get paid the larger of the two numbers. You'll get paid the floor, which means you'll never make less than this. Yeah. But if the commissions are more, you're going to get paid basically the commissions because I want you to get the more. So it allows people to come to work for me in an environment where there is no salary, but they know shit. If I have a bad week or I have a bad couple of weeks, at least I know I'm going to be able to pay my rent. At least yeah, I know yeah, yeah. Rest my car. And so that's the way we structured it. I said, look, you know, here's the forgivable draw month to month. You're going to get this guaranteed, but if your commissions exceed that, you're always going to get, paid. yeah." but
1: they never have to pay back the the base. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Interesting. Very yep. interesting. So um, then my other question is like you, you said you provide this, this and this, and this, and one of the things was the leads. Right. So um, like, you have to spend money on marketing to get leads, no? Well,
0: absolutely. I mean, I spend more in marketing every month than most people make. Yeah, I spend yeah, yeah. 20 twenty five thousand a month just um, in our marketing. That's uh, where are you, where you
1: spending in those? Yeah, uh, okay, cool. Yeah,
0: yeah. So we're doing uh, we're doing Facebook ads. You know, we got funnels that are out there. You know, most people that you know are clients of ours have bought a book or they have clicked on something, they downloaded our toolkit, they've seen an ad on Facebook or Instagram. Yeah. Uh, we're launching now, um, as we speak, uh, email marketing and also Google ads. Uh, and we're going to get into some YouTube advertising as well this year. So that's a really big push for us is to, try sure. to come out of the, quote, Facebook ecosystem and now start moving into some of these other platforms. Um, yeah. You know, We looked at LinkedIn, uh, but LinkedIn's really expensive. And I think that you can do much better just going and using LinkedIn Sales Navigator.
1: Yeah, yeah agreed.
0: People that way. But yeah, I mean, we spend a lot of marketing and then of course, you know, speaking at events, uh, doing Mm -hmm. stuff like that. But, you know, when you're a three-time author, soon to be four times, uh, because I'm working on my fourth book, you know, that gets you a lot of publicity, a lot of recognition. um, and gives you, of course, tremendous credibility as well as some of the other things that we're doing. Uh, But it's really just about creating that forward motion. Uh, You have to be visible on social media. So very early, In my career, I outsourced all that and I hired a marketing company and I was introduced to this marketing company when I saw some ads they did for Ed My Lap and Tim Story on a big event and I saw at the bottom, ads created by, and I'm like, that's the dude I need to hire. So I called them and I said, how much do I need to pay you to be posting content for me every day on LinkedIn and on Facebook and on Instagram? He said, I don't know, you know, how does 1,250 bucks a month? and I'm like done, boom, you create it, you create all the words. And then that way I don't have to do any of that stuff. And so literally every day when you see my posts uh, across social media, I don't do any of that stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's what we do. It's what my sharing. company does. So don't pitch anyone else's company if you don't mind. <laughs> but, you know,
0: every day. but you know, the beautiful thing is you have to delegate as an entrepreneur, And that's the big message to anybody that'll listen to this podcast that's in a growth mode or that wants to grow. You have to basically give up control and realize, yeah, I might be able to do it better than somebody else because it is my business, but I can coach and I can train people. And then once you start delegating, you can start focusing your time on the things in the business that really move the needle. Because what happens for most entrepreneurs that are in the earlier stages is you focus so much of your day on the minutiae. And the bullshit that you have to do that doesn't generate revenue or doesn't really dramatically change things for you in the business. And right. once you can teach other people, now you can be that strategic finger. You can start hosting events. You can start reaching out to people on your podcast, you know, or you can better yet be on other people's podcasts and, uh, you know, expose yourself to a much larger audience so that more people know what you are doing and more importantly, how you can serve their business and their business needs.
1: Yeah. Absolutely, I I want to dig more into this marketing thing. So, you're uh, you spend twenty five thousand dollars a month on Facebook ads. What does your product suite look like? If just like out of curiosity, are you like selling like a ten thousand dollar coaching program, or or what? I don't know. I know you speak and do all these other things, but like just like, what are your salesperson, salespeople selling? So great question. So we
0: have, I guess, what anybody in marketing or sales would call lead magnets. These are the funnels. These are the things that are out there. Somebody might click and buy my book for $9.95. Yeah, what do you see is is working the best? Uh, There's really two products we have out there. There's the book offer, and then there's something we call the Capital Raising Toolkit, uh, which is a $67 offer that people get access to an online platform that has some videos and some PDFs. But when they click on that, there's basically an order bump that says, hey, before you check out, would you like to add Brad's book? to the offer. Hey, would you like to add a strategy call with Brad? So, you know, the average sale is probably somewhere between, I don't know, $125, maybe $300. It's in that. How much do
1: you charge for the strategy call? Uh, Yeah, absolutely. It's part of the. How how much do you charge if you don't mind? After
0: that, Hmm? $29.95. $29.95? And it's just part of the checkout. So people basically, as they're checking out, can just buy the book for $9.95 and that's it. Yep. But if they click on the link as they're checking out, a little screen pops up that says, "You know, hey, would you like to add Brad's toolkit and accelerate your learning
1: for sixty-seven bucks?" And then they say yes or no, and then you and add then it. So now call.
0: The, that now the total is seventy-one ninety-five. But here's the thing: when they check out, Keaton, what do we get? We're getting a name, we're getting an email, we're swiping oh. credit cards. We have a form of payment, and invariably, in many cases, we're getting a mailing address. All of those people. Yep. Are now leads, and so what I do every week is I take that and I give it to my sales team, and I said, all the people you're calling are warm leads because they already know me, they've right. already spiked a credit card, they've already voted with their wallet. So now that outreach is real simple. Now it's like, hey, Keaton, thank you so much for investing in yourself and buying Brad's book, right. you know, winning at the capital game. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, what is it you're trying to do? Yeah. You know, and then the, the person opens up, and then my sales team says, Well, you know, geez, you know, we got all these other tools and products at your disposal that can help you go further and farther and faster than you trying to figure out how to do this on your own. You yeah. Know, we do eight boot camps a year. Why don't you come to one of our boot camps? You know, Brandon. Yeah, yeah. And
1: what's the cost for the boot camp? I'm, I'm,
0: yep. This. So, our boot camp, if you sign up for our coaching and you're part of our coaching community, we discount that fifty percent, but the boot camp for the public is fourteen ninety seven. So the boot camp is fifteen hundred. Okay. Our coaching starts at twenty eight hundred, and then we have a platinum level.
1: Is twenty eight hundred a month or one time? Was one
0: time? Yep, yeah, twenty eight hundred a month is our basically what we call Capital School coaching. Okay. And then we have different levels of service. So from there, you can basically ascend to what we call Capital School Platinum. That is $1,000 a month, or if you pay $10,000, we give you two months free. A lot of people, of course, pay in full up front. And then we have a $40,000 level as well that we call Capital School Elite, where I fly out to that person's office, meet with their team. We structure all the stuff that they need to have structured. We do some coaching, and then I fly back. And then my team will physically work with that person or that person's business, and we will prepare their pitch deck we will prepare their offering memorandum a turnkey service that we do offer because a lot of times people say geez i'd love to do this but man i just don't have enough time like i got Mm. the money to pay you can you do this for me well yeah yeah it's our elite service and that's a forty thousand dollar conversation that we do have with people so you know Mm -hmm. we get people basically on the spectrum of you know starting here because they see us with the marketing we do then many of them will ascend here to capital school. And then some of them will ascend even higher as they realize they need a little bit more help. And that's really where the sales team comes in.
1: Got it. Love it. Yeah. Um, they, yeah they come in for the boot camps and the coaching and all that that's type of stuff bad. and the percentage of sales. Got it. Beautiful. Yep. Love it. Um, so the um, the next question I mean, like, this is beautiful. I, I, this is awesome. Um, I, don't know, I, some of my, my listeners are going to eat this up. This may be a little high level for some people, but, yep. um, and then my question is the chicken or the, or the egg, mm. right? So do you go and hire the salespeople and then start marketing or you start marketing and then hire the salespeople? Uh, cause like in, in my case, like I don't have enough time to take these yep. sales calls to be completely right. honest with you. I like, I'm managing my team, yep. I'm managing my managers who are managing my team, I'm, uh, you know, I'm doing relationship building things like this and, and going to masterminds and all that type of stuff, um, which is a scaling the business big time for sure. But I think I could totally launch the, like I'm in the, the midst of, I'm launching the ads, but I don't have the salespeople. right. I, and then I, what, I've done this in the past. I've gotten like hundreds and hundreds of leads a month. Here's the, but here's the thing though,
0: um, that maybe you're failing to understand. If you have a funnel or you have a way of tracking everybody that goes to that page and clicks on it, whether they buy something or not, yep. that is a lead. For example, there's a difference between a warm lead that basically votes with their credit card and physically buys something. Right. But if you're out there marketing, for example, we use Russell Bronson's Click Funnels as our platform So I can go in there and I can look basically at the contact list and every day see a whole list of people, typically about 150 a day, that have come, stopped, clicked, and I've got their name and I've got their email, but they physically have not bought Bought. something.
1: So well, you, have a, you, have a, you have like a – they have to put through their email and stuff before they can even get to the sales page.
0: Well, if they want to watch my free VSL, if they want to watch one of my freebies because the way the funnels are set up is there's a free webinar. So the very first thing they do is they click on it. Yeah, let me watch Brad's free webinar. That takes them then to the book sale or that takes them to the toolkit. So in yeah. order to get that, they need to enter.
1: So you have a, like a – it's like almost like a, a door page. It's like a just yeah. beautiful – Oh my God! I'm right. I'm, I'm going to take notes. This is so cool. and, and
0: so and so. Keaton, what that becomes is a lead. Now that is a cold lead to some degree. And, and
1: I say sure,
0: cold sure. because I haven't bought. But is it really cold? No, they watch the video. They know. No, right you, like, you could running.
1: email them for twelve months and then they buy. Exactly. Later. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. You're 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 catching on, and that's the beautiful thing about having the sales engine is, you know, once you've got a team, that team can reach out and say, you know, hey, thank you so much for watching Brad's webinar the other day. We noticed you got to the checkout cart, but you didn't buy the book because ClickFunnels will tell you exactly where that person stopped in the process. It's like that person had the book in the damn cart, but they didn't swipe the credit card. So when my salesperson calls them, they know exactly where that person was on that journey and they can ask them, you know, same thing in Stripe. We see people that try to buy something from us, but their credit card was declined, maybe for insufficient funds
1: or whatever. Long zip code, it could be anything.
0: I, I, I have all that shit. My team reaches out, you know, hey, Keaton, we noticed you're trying to buy Brad's toolkit, the other K, and your card was declined. Is there another form of payment that we can use? Mm-hmm. And before you know it, that person goes from buying a book to coming to our boot camp or, or doing something else. It's really what I call the lifetime value of, of a client that most people overlook. Most people that are in sales are so happy of getting a customer that they forget that there's a customer journey and you have to look at the lifetime value of that person. If the person starts here, what can they add over the course of their relationship? Come to the bootcamp, boom, it's $1,500. Hire Brad for a coach at $1,000 a month. And so when you look at our lifetime value, You know, our average lifetime value is probably somewhere around $4,500, $5,000. Yeah, we got some people way down here, but we got people way up here that are $40,000 clients. So, you know, you have to really develop that and you have to have the customer service where if you hire a virtual assistant to work for you that just reaches out to people and kind of loves on them a little bit and says, you know, hey, we're just checking in. How's everything going? You having any yeah. issues? Do you want to get on a call with Keaton? Is there anything that you're working on that we can help with? It's a service call. Right. But those service calls are so important as part of that relationship because that's what okay. in, builds the business and that's what gives the credibility. It's one of those things where quote, we just don't take your money and then forget about you. Right. Yeah, we right. take money, we develop you, but we always want to be adding value. We always want to be coming back to you to nurture and really develop that relationship for you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then this is this is just one question I didn't quite get. Um, the you said you offer on the sales page, you offer your three thousand dollar coaching as an upsell.
0: Um, not on a sales page, but uh, it is on the website. So if you go to my website and you okay. click there, you know, you definitely uh, will, will see it. Um, mm-hmm. But really, um, you know, most people that are sold anything above, you know, let's just say that $1,500, $2,000, uh, it's usually on a phone or on a Zoom.
1: Got it. Okay. Makes yep. sense. Yep. So they they buy the the book and then the the sixty seven dollar or whatever it is, exactly. and then your salespeople are calling them. Um, yep. Yeah, because
0: there is, is, I guess, a point in what I call virtual sales where you're selling a coaching or you're selling a product or a mentoring where you do need that interaction just so the person on Uh the other end knows that, you know, you are real. Uh, They got questions. Oh, totally.
1: Yeah, it makes sense. It makes a whole lot of sense. I don't want to buy $2,000 from someone I don't know. know. What
0: we found is there are some people that'll buy $2,800 and just swipe a credit card and never talk to anybody, but that's very rare. Between mm-hmm. about nine hundred to about fifteen hundred is where that threshold is. Anything above that, you know, unless yeah. you're a very established, you know, Tony Robbins or you know, Snatcher, right, right. Of stature, totally. uh, and you know, we're getting there. But you know, I find that usually a thirty minute call or a Zoom, boom, you know, we're swiping a credit card for ten thousand bucks, or we're signing them up, or we're at least yeah, getting yeah. their commitment to move forward in that process with us.
1: Yeah, yeah. awesome. I, I yeah. totally love that um this is dude this is this one call is going gonna blow up my business like crazy so i'm like and i think it's you know, like hopefully there's people listening to this in the same position um yep. this is one thing i want to point out to the listeners too is how much money do you lose on the front end nothing nothing do you make yeah, money
0: on ROI on our uh our ad spend Is probably three and a half to four X. So that's why I'm spending 25 G's. Wow!
1: And then you get to sell them on the back end on top of that.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, you always have to look at your ROI.
1: And so aren't you you spending 100k a month?
0: Yeah. Um, Well, yeah. I mean, we're going to scale to get there. You know what I mean?
1: Like wow! Like like that's a that's amazing. I mean, you
0: know, when you when you go to Bruson's event, ClickFunnels, you know, and you're there in the audience, and you see all these people getting up on stage, you know, getting their million dollar plaques. Right. I've talked to a lot of those guys, and they're like, "Yeah, we're spending 100 G a month, but we're yeah. making a million a month." Oh yeah,
1: easy, yeah, yeah, without even breaking a sweat. That's so awesome.
0: It, it's all relative, you know, and you have to look at that number. And it's like sailing; it's like pulling in the sails and adjusting it to the winds. You look at your ad spend, mm-hmm. you look at your ROI. You yeah. know, you look at how many leads you're getting because all of those things there are saturation points. And then, you know, when you're doing that, you boom, you pop to the next level. You now, now you're raising, you know, more money and you're spending 32.5 and you do that for a couple months and you see how that goes. You try some new ads or you put a little spin on your marketing because what happens is your ads eventually become saturated. Where right, right. you reach the, the market. market to, Yep. The sales will plateau and so you just change it to a different demographic or you put in different hashtags or you, you know, you send it off. Change to the offer
1: place. slightly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. We got
0: students literally in 10 countries around the world. Every day I'm talking to people in Australia, New Zealand,
1: Canada, England. So you, do, you do all the English speaking countries?
0: I mean, not even English speaking. We got students in Hong Kong. Nice. Over in okay. China, but cool. most people over there. English is a second language. I was on a call today with this woman in Dubai. She's like, no, everybody in Dubai or in the UAE, the uh, United Arab Emirate Republic, whether it's here, Omar, Qatar, you know, Saudi, we all speak English because it's taught as a second language. And what I have found traveling internationally is English is often taught as a second language in basically intermediate in an in upper school. So, you know, I mean, I've been to Austria and I was sitting in a, a, a chairlift going up Hello, where are you from? I'm from Germany. You speak great English. Oh, everybody in Germany speaks English as a second language. And I'm just like, why don't we teach people here in our country a second language? It should be mandatory. Of course, a lot of people take it as an elective, which you can do and speak Spanish or Russian or German as an elective. But in most other countries, English is a required second language. And so I asked this lady, if I'm going to be on stage in front of three, 4,000 people, is there going to be a translator? Oh, hell no. Everybody in the audience is going to know exactly. What nice saying. We all speak English. Yeah.
1: That's really cool. That's yeah. Really cool. Um, yeah. I could, I could probably pick your brain for like, another three hours <laughs> I but
0: love uh it. yeah i love it keaton yeah this yeah, is really but,
1: cool you know um, and you're at a point where
0: you know just keep doing what you're doing but do it with more intensity oh, I'm, going I'm, a, I'm, I'm going to i'm
1: about i'm going to like i already know i already know my next like five steps that i didn't have before this call so this is beautiful yeah, I, I had like a little taste of what i was about to do but i know exactly yeah. what i'm doing now this is amazing perfect yeah. And then like at the same time, it sounds like you can really help people. And like, to be honest, I work with a lot of coaches and your prices probably should be a lot higher compared. So like, guys, if you want to work with Brad,
0: relative, you know, it's all yeah. relative. I mean, you know, there are others out there that are a little yeah. bit more expensive, but they're not as comprehensive. Uh, I'm not going to mention any names, but I was an event earlier and I had about 40 of my students at somebody else's event. And we were all networking. And what we found is they don't teach people how to attract and raise capital. I'm like, well, what good is it to have a fund if mm-hmm. this guy's going to teach you how to launch a fund, but then you don't know how to raise the money. And some of these guys had funds that were out there for three, four months and raised the dime. Wow. I'm like, Well, that's insane. But you know, the guy has not raised $2 billion. He doesn't have the demonstrated capacity like I have to teach people how to do that at the right. highest level. But It Mm -hmm. all comes down to the belief that I have, and that is everybody wants to do more in life. We all want to be doing bigger things, bigger deals, investing in real estate. But 99% of the time, we're just not doing those things. Why? Because we don't have the money. And so my message is, let me teach you how to attract and raise the capital you need. And then that dream or that goal becomes reality. And now you're happy because you're doing that bigger thing. You're seeing the transformation. You're enriching yourself. You're creating wealth. And, you know, I mean, I got students that have raised anywhere from on the low end, a couple hundred G's, which is real money. Mm-hmm. But I got a student, Nicholas in Vegas has raised six, $7 million year to date. My number one students raised over 102 million. Wow. Sam's raised $22 million since getting started in May of last year. So you know, for someone to say, geez, I've raised 20 million dollars in a little over a year, man, that's life-changing money.
1: Life-changing, big time.
0: Even a million dollars is life-changing money. Yeah, I mean,
1: at seven percent, yeah. It was low, like I mean, like that's huge, huge. There you go. That's it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um I, I always ask my guests uh, three questions at the end. And okay. I kind of, went off. I, kind of I've, yep. I definitely went off. I, my I normal already scoop. know
0: the answer. I already know the answer to the first one. Yes, I do wear pants and I wear <laughs> uh, underpants. Number
1: two. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. What's one book everyone should read?
0: How about three books? All of mine. This one behind me on the wings of eagles was my first book. It was basically voted as the number one book on a major literary blog in the United Kingdom as the number one read for young entrepreneurs. So go to Amazon, get my book on the wings of eagles, uh, learning to soar in life. It'll change your mind. It'll teach you about what we've trademarked mm-hmm. called the art of beliefology. It's more of a entrepreneurial mindset book. But yep. the number one book I would recommend would be that one right there on the wall behind me, which became the number one read on a major literary blog over in the UK. All
1: right, guys. So you send me a DM. I do some podcasts with people who have books. Send me a DM, first hundred. I'll, I'll ship you out a thing. Just give me your uh, address. Well, how about, how so
0: I'll we'll sign copies. We got signed copies here. So Beautiful. you get an autographed copy and we'll ship it right out to you. You bet.
1: Awesome. Great. Um, then if you can go back in time to any age, right? You get to talk to yourself. But when you get there, you can only say three sentences and then you disappear. What age would you go back to? And what are the three sentences you would tell yourself?
0: So, you know, here's something that's proven by psychology. Our formative years between the age of seven to 12 are really what frame us for the rest of our life. Because you have to realize the limiting beliefs and the doubt you have in your mind were there because people that were trying to protect you, that loved you, when you were much younger, we're saying things like, well, don't do that or don't touch the stove or, or don't do this. And so as you hear that, don't do this, don't do that between those ages of seven to 12, they become ingrained into your subconscious. And that's where a lot of the limiting beliefs and the self-doubt comes from. So if I could go back, I probably want to go back to the age of about 10 to 11 when I was a kid. And I would have basically said to myself, don't listen to the noise. You can do anything that you set your mind to. You can be great. You can be a multimillionaire. Don't listen to the doubt and the limiting beliefs in your mind because they're put there by people that love you, that are trying to protect you. But you have to understand that those things that you're hearing are all false. It gets back to what we call the reptilian brain, which is a part of our brain whose sole purpose is to keep us alive. And so whenever anything presents itself, whether it is a real fear, like, you know, something like jumping off of a bridge or, you know, parachuting, or just a, quote, subconscious fear of starting a business, man, that makes me fearful, you know, if I lose the money or if I feel. And so I think the biggest message I would give myself is don't listen to the noise, just have a goal, commit to it, and then move forward. And the solution will always present itself. Always has and always will.
1: Yep. So um, I'll pull you back to the question. It was, um, so it'd be don't, what are the three sentences again?
0: Well, number one is don't listen to the noise. Which okay. basically means, you know, don't listen to your subconscious mind trying to Got talk about doing something big in life. Yeah, so what's number two? Number one. Number two would be commit first, figure out how to do it second. Okay. Um, because if you don't commit, You're never going to take the action to the things that you committed to. And then, uh, you know, the third is live life big. You know, Mm. basically, um, you know, quit thinking small. You know, people are so capable of doing so much more in life. But here's the thing. I always, end my emails, live life big. Most people just accept like what life gives them. They're not intentional in changing their life or creating a compelling future. And so we just show up every day and we kind of live life on the defensive. But I was um, listening to Tim Grover, who, of course, you know, has been the coach to some of the best athletes on the planet. Michael Jordan, Kobe, you know, uh, A-Rod, you know, Tiger Woods. And uh, I said, well, what separates those guys from everybody else that plays in the same league or plays the sport? He said, it's all mindset. Yeah. He said, you know, when the coach said to the team, hey, everybody, we're going to be here tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock, start the workout, Michael Jordan had already shown up at 7.15, had already put in 40 hours worth of work before the rest of the team showed up. And then he stayed later after everybody left. Why? It's just the mental commitment to be the best of the best of the best. And it's not just in the sport, it's in all areas of his life, relationships with other people, his spirit, his competitiveness, And so you got to realize, you know, when you're out there, there are literally millions of people on the planet that do exactly what you do. The question is, do you want to do it better? Do you want to be known for doing it better? And the challenge most people have is it takes effort and it takes work to be at the highest level in anything in life. And the analogy that I always give when I'm speaking on stage is, look, (laughs) we all want beautiful six pack abs, but how many of us actually have them? Very few. Why? Work, diet, got to go to the gym. So most people walk around with a big old beer gut or, you know, some extra weight on their midsection. We're not looking like the guy in the cover of GQ. Why? Because the effort and the work involved in doing that. Well, same thing with success, but if you're intentional, and you put in the work, anybody can have success. It ain't luck. There ain't no secret. It's just working harder than the next guy and putting more effort into it and being intentional with everything you're doing. That's it. That's it. That's the secret.
1: Beautiful. Love it. Well, um, before I wrap it up, where can everyone go follow you, man? Well, if you Google me, I pretty much show up everywhere.
0: You know, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook, I'm on LinkedIn. The easiest way to follow me is just Remember that there are no E's in the spelling of my name. It's Brad Blazar, B-L-A-Z, like zebra, A-R. Follow me on Instagram, uh, just Brad Blazar. Um, Go to Facebook and follow me there. Go to LinkedIn, reach out, send me a DM on Facebook Messenger. Or the best way is just go to my website, just www.bradblazar.com. Buy a book, check out Capital School, check out the boot camp. We got our next boot camp coming up August the 12th and the 13th. If you're a listener of Keaton's podcast and you want to come, shoot me a DM. Maybe I'll cut you a special deal (laughs) or just let you come for free uh, altogether. But, um, you know, it's all about just getting the knowledge. And that's what I tell people. There are people out there that have the knowledge that have already done what it is you're trying to do. Get with them, network, hire them as a mentor. You know, basically success does leave clues. Um, And if you're willing to walk in their steps and follow the things that they've done, more than likely you'll have a comparable level of success. It might not be overnight, nothing's overnight. You know, success is more of a marathon than it is a sprint, but just keep showing up each and every day. And, you know... It's like, you know, it's like anything, you know, losing weight. You go running every day. The end of the week, you look at yourself. You don't notice any significant change, but you do that every day for two months. Now you're like, holy crap, I've lost three inches around my waist. Holy crap, my weight went from 210. Now I'm down to, you know, 202. I've lost eight pounds. You start seeing that positive change with incremental efforts that compound over time. That that's the big secret, everybody. Incremental efforts every day over extended periods of time are what are going to bring around the big,
1: the monumental, you know, changes in your life. Mm. So. awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast, guys. This is a good one. Share it out. May well, not be like if you're into marketing, this is a golden yeah. full of golden nuggets. Um, my team's going to clip this up and find some. Well, here's the thing. You
0: know, don't be scared about spending money. You know, the biggest challenge most people have is you get a little bit of money in the bank, and then you're like, man, you're like protecting it. It's a tool. The fear of what I call replacement. You're like, man, if I spend that money that's sitting in my bank account, I might not be able to replace it. I might actually lose it. No, you've got to just have the confidence that that money's going to replenish itself. Yeah, don't grow on trees, but. If you're spending it wisely in marketing, if you're spending it wisely in staffing, if you're putting it back in your business, your business
1: will flourish and it will definitely grow. Yeah. Mm. Awesome. I yeah. love it, man. Yeah. Thank you so much again for being on, guys. Uh, share true. this one out. Uh, it was a good one. And uh, rate it, give us a rating and review. I'll get more awesome guests like Brad on here for you guys to listen to while you're in the gym, uh, while you're driving, all that type of stuff. Love it. All right. Thank you so much
0: for hosting us today. Have a wonderful remainder to your week. And, you know, we're just to add value and help people. So reach out and anything we can do on our end to add value to your life, anything we can do to basically answer questions. uh, We'd love to do that for everybody. So again, Keen, thanks for being a great host today.
1: Yeah, absolutely, Brad. Appreciate it. Awesome.